Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to this episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. And today we have Dr. Petra Frieser with us. And Dr. Petra is an intuitive scientist, also the bestseller of two uh, books and an award-winning hypnotherapist. How are you, Dr. Petra? Thank you very much. I'm doing very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm excited to to have this time with you to glean out of you as much as I can, which is always what I kind of put on myself uh, when we jump into these interviews. It's really my duty, my obligation, and my desire to get what's within your brain out so that we can all benefit. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm going to dive straight in, Petra. What does it really mean to be an intuitive scientist? Because often you wouldn't necessarily put those two together. Quite correct. Yes, that's why I think it's worth to dive into that question. By education, I'm a scientist and engineer. So I have this scientific knowledge and thinking. And life taught me the hard way, I would say, that there's much more than science can grab and explain currently. So this is what I call the, the intuitive side. And combining both that, that knowledge, the facts, what's based on proven facts, and that internal knowing, that wisdom, that's the intuition. And when we combine both, I think we are the most fulfilled, the most successful, the most happy. Mm. And, and would you see, would you see like the scientific part being more based in logics and the intuitive part being more based in emotions would that be a fair or helpful assessment of the two yeah I can agree to that yeah because it's interesting isn't it because even for myself when I've worked with my own coach he's always said Mark whenever you've got the balance between the logic and the emotions it's always when you perform at your best it's always when you're in your sweet spot but when one of those kind of eats into the other, I, I can lose my rhythm and balance. Do you find that that's, that's true? And, and would you have some thoughts of how we can keep that balance? I think that's true. And balance is one of my favorite words because I think it's so important to develop that balance for us, for our lives, for, yeah, for our purpose. And I think, or what I see for myself and with my clients also, when we, when we allow the emotions to be a strong part of us, then we can back this up with, with facts and knowledge. To me, it's very often that we do not give ourselves permission to tap into our emotions for multiple reasons, right? Some this cultural, some is um, education, upbringing. But when we allow ourselves to connect with our emotions, then I think we, we open the door 
to be really successful and to be in alignment with our life purpose, with our soul's plan. Mm. And obviously, we, we've all we've all been through the mill with with the pandemic, and obviously, it's the start yeah. of a new year uh, now, Petra. How how has the year started out for you? You know, with regards to you know your life, we've we've already talked about balance, and and you're talking about alignment. How 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 has the year started? And is there some things that you feel like you've done in your life that have kind of set you up now to have you know a strong twelve months? That's a very tricky question. I started the year with the, yeah, going through the C word the second time. Okay. So I started fairly sick, mm. but I've been through it. And I think it gave me an unwanted pause. So I was ready to roll 2022. And then this, yeah, this COVID hit. And it gave me that pause physically and also emotionally, right? To rethink and reevaluate what are my goals. And now I feel I'm, I'm ready to roll a little, a little late, a couple of weeks in the year. But yes, I think it's, it's a good, it, I hope it's going to be a good year and I will give my very best to make it a good one. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think sometimes things happen to us to make us pause. Otherwise, we can create a lifestyle of where we cultivate our own pit stops. And, you know, knowing uh, the, the some of the detail around you and your journey, you know, I, I know that, you know, for you, you've had, you know, near-death experiences. And I, I just wonder how those experiences have, have shaped you today. And when you go through a challenge or a difficulty, how do you how do you process that and 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 keep moving forward? They they turn my life upside down. So I would not be honest if I would say, oh, it wasn't that big. It was really big. the The illness was intense, and the the insights that came out of that they turned my world upside down from being a pure scientist. Science was my entire world, and I still believe and adore science. But now I know there is much more. And I think what changed was the fear, the fear of death, the fear of ending. And that's a big thing for me, because I, I was still not good at saying goodbye. What I've lost, luckily, is the fear of my own death. So I know we continue to exist. What, what stops is that form of existence that we know and that we adore, right? Being able to be together, to talk in the way we talk, to maybe be able to hug if we are not in a pandemic. But this changes or changes drastically. But it's a completely different view on life that I have now. I think we we should make good use of the time we have here on Earth and and really agree to live our soul's plan. And I didn't know that the soul has a plan. I didn't know that the soul exists, right? It was me, my body, that's it. The, the cells, the, the atoms, the molecules. And out of a sudden, I I learned that there's much more 
I didn't stop to exist just because I stopped breathing and my heart stopped. Mm. Do you feel like sometimes we have to offend the mind to awaken the heart or, or, or even the soul? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the mind is extremely powerful. And if we do not guide our mind to allow to think that there's at least the opportunity for the soul to exist, we limit ourselves. Mm. Definitely. It's interesting because for me, it's, I think it's the unknown of what makes many of us fear death or what's next, because we don't have the ability or the privilege of knowing what that will exactly look like. I absolutely agree. That's, and I think nobody knows how the unknown will look like. For me, it was a big step to know that there will be something, right? That the unknown is not nothing. And to develop the trust that that unknown will eventually turn out to be something good. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because I, I find that it's the people that go through something that then use that revelation because for me, revelation is when you have the knowledge of something and then you actually see it manifest in, in your life. So you've had an experience. You've not just had the knowledge of what it is, but you've also had the revelation of that reality. Uh, and now it's put you in a place where you now support others. And I wonder how do you go about leading people out of their own fears and misery uh, based on the fact that you kind of led yourself out of that. So how do you go about leading other people out of their challenge? It's individual, it's unique, like every person and every person's life is. To summarize it or to give it a, a red line, first, I think we need hope, right? A lot of people that I see, they come and they are in a very desperate state. And I hear that sentence very often, you are my last hope. And I'm really, I feel honored to be their GPS or lighthouse to rekindle that hope, right? To give them something to look forward to that they can imagine to get out of their misery. That's the first thing, right? And the second step, is to encourage people to connect them with their own strength, to reconnect them with their own soul and that they know they are not on the journey alone. They don't have to figure it out all by themselves. So since my near-death experiences, I can connect to, to people's souls. So if that soul allows me and my soul agrees, so we connect on a soul level, and I can see their roadmap. And sharing that guidance or that purpose or what's their mission, I think this is what gives people hope. And the hope is the motivator for them to become active and to not just suffer in silence any longer. There are so many examples. They really, they make me happy to see what, what's possible. Mm. Yeah, because even in the Bible, it says hope deferred makes the heart sick, you know, so it's, 
it's you know it it's such an important ingredient i believe you know in in our human society that we we don't write ourselves off that we learn to back ourselves that we that we learn to one of my friends she talks about hustling gently and i like that that sense of there's movement but there's also gentleness in that in that movement absolutely correct sometimes we are not gentle enough with ourselves and sometimes i see that 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 people think they are not ready they are quote unquote too gentle with themselves right i think we are never really ready but to do it anyways that's what that movement right and doing it gentle but doing it whatever that it is yeah always reminds me done is better than perfect you know some sometimes we we live in a world of perfection, but I always say, you know, I'm a progressionist, Petra, not a, not a perfectionist. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want perfect- to. Yeah, go no, ahead. Go on. No, you go ahead. I think perfectionism is an excuse to procrastinate. Mm. And very often it's unconscious that we use that I want to make it perfect to give ourselves a reason why we procrastinate. That's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. Why do you think, why do you think people procrastinate? I think it's fear of rejection, that, that fear of not being good enough, which would lead in being judged, of course, people judge, and then as a result, being rejected. Because we fear that we could be rejected, we rather don't do it in the first place. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, is it? Pro- procrastination. My own reflection, Petra, I'll be interested to hear what you think to this. I find that, and I don't procrastinate that often, but for me, the two reasons why I may procrastinate is normally one or the other. One is because actually I don't want to do it. Therefore, I end up not doing it and don't commit to it. And that's pretty much how I live my life. I don't say yes to things that don't take me to where I want to go. Or, or the second one is that I don't know how to do it, which then obviously I need to go find out, you know. And I think, you know, for me, that's also a big part of what you've been sharing anyway, that that knowledge and then the revelation of that knowledge and making it work for you. I agree. And the first part, what you mentioned, if you don't want to do it, to having the courage to to announce that and say, mm-hmm, I'm not going to do it. That's courage to me, please. This is perfect, right? If we know it's not in our path, don't do it. It would be distraction and aggression. So that's perfect. The second thing to that you have to figure out how it works, very often we take this in as a personal not being good enough. And I think, this is the distinction we should make, right? If we don't know the process because nobody taught us or we, we have not learned that process, it's the skill we don't have yet, but it has nothing to do with our self-worth or with our worth. And when we get this mixed up, this might lead to procrastination. And if we can clearly say, okay, that's a skill I have not learned yet, let me figure it out. And if I do not succeed, let me do it in a different way. Let me improve my skill. And don't 
let ourselves push ourselves down because we are not good enough mm, yeah so so important i want i want to explore a little around um how you've managed to bridge the gap between science and spirituality how 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 have you gone about kind of bridging those two rather than being like chalk and cheese them really being you know more like brother and sister i would say i didn't manage it i was pushed to do that and my husband really he's he's my biggest critic and my biggest supporter hmm. and he one day told me you have to stop doing what you are doing it doesn't make you happy and i want to have a happy life hmm. and he told me you have to open up and my my first nde it took me six years to talk about it to my husband i was so much in fear that nobody would believe me again it's fear of rejection right and after six years we've been an, at a point in our marriage where we had to yeah make a decision it didn't work the way it i thought it would work and i opened up and he supported me and he said if this is what you've experienced we have to handle that you carry it on your own but it doesn't make it better you can't heal and it took me another 20, 20 or 19 years to open up about this publicly. And again, it was a person, now he is a friend. I wasn't happy with him in the beginning, but he pushed me to talk about my experiences publicly. And then I realized this is what's helping people. I'm literally stealing from people by not giving them what I have, what I have to offer to support them on their journey. And that revelation, how you call it, I think this changed everything. And I, of course, I feel safe on the science side, on the facts, because this is what we can prove. We have studies and people are used to rely on that the spiritual part, very often there is no proof in the beginning. I, I'm depending on trusting myself and I'm depending on the trust of my clients. And with hindsight, they are very often, almost always, we get proof, but not in the beginning of the process. And I think that bridge, that bridging, I probably would not have done it on my own. I still would not be out there if it wouldn't be for my husband, my daughter, and the people that, that allowed me to help them, to support them, to assist them. And that proof, that encouraged me to do what I'm doing. Your, your husband sounds like an incredible husband. I, I like the fact that you said, you know, he's your... He's your biggest critic, but also your, you know, your biggest champion. And really, it's so important, isn't it, that we we are surrounded though by those that tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, in order for us to keep growing. One hundred percent correct. And this is what I see is my job when I tell people, but very often nobody else tells them right this is what propels them forward 
I recently worked with a man who had been an addict for 52 years. And he told me that the recent 10 years he had been drinking heavily. And what I had to tell him, probably nobody told him before, and we both cried. This is how we started working together. But now he's sober. He is sober. And we had seven, six sessions hmm. after six times working together. This man changed his life and not just his life. His wife was at a point that she said, I, I cannot do this any longer. His daughters didn't respect him anymore. His grandkids, now his grandkids look up to him. And, and it started with telling him what he didn't want to hear. <laughs> Mm. that's that's quite a sobering thought because i i think we live we live in a in a world individually where we try and protect ourselves from from pain and, and discomfort and yet you know i've realized that you know one of my favorite proverbs is faithful are the wounds of a friend knowing that sometimes we do have to be offended her, you know, for us to kind of smell the roses uh, yeah. and for that to be the unlocking. Wonderfully said. Yes. Yeah. But the interesting thing with your client is he, he reached a point as well where, you know, he was so like, we talked about hope, didn't we? And how, you know, if you're at that vantage point of you're my last hope in some ways you're now in a place and a position to to receive and to listen and for your ego to be moved out of the way yes that's absolutely important and the picture i i have in mind when i work i put my ego on the shelf so it's not about me right it's it's definitely not about me and i think this is part of all the art of being a good coach, a good mentor, a good consultant to at least for the time we work together to not be in my own ego. I worked with a woman, she had lung cancer stage four and her prognosis was two to three weeks more to live. Wow. And, and I asked her in the very first session, what's your goal? And she was in her 50s and she smacked her hand on my glass table. There was a ring on her finger. And she said, I need one year, one year. And my ego immediately screamed, why only one year? And I had to push, push it aside. She knew what she needed. And with her having the goal, of living one more year, this, this was the guidance for us. And we could create 15 more months for her and 11 and a half months in really good quality. So she could be with her family, she could take care of them, she could cook, she could work part-time. She didn't need any medication, no pain medication, nothing. 
So 11 and a half months and her goal was 12 months. Her soul knew and it was not on me to judge if this is enough or not. We mm. made it happen. Beautiful that is and sobering as well. I know that one of your mottos is science plus wisdom is love. Where does, where does that come from? The most important thing in life is love. This is what I think. And how do we create that or that ripple effect? How can we, how can we remain in that place of love? Because sometimes life gets really challenging, right? If everything is, is nice and, and sugar-coated, it might be easy to remain in that place of love. But when we are really challenged, that's hard. And how to make this sustainable? And my scientific brain wanted to have an equation, right? <laughs> and that combination of scientific knowledge and wisdom, this is what I feel. I feel the love for, for my clients, for my family, for life, no matter how hard it is. And I think that combination, that as a result, creates that unconditional love. Mm. It's not separation. It's, it's putting it together. Mm. It's beautiful. Now, I know, I know that you do a lot of different things with regards to coaching and mentoring. And one of the things that I wanted to explore with you because it, it stood out from all the rest was I, I really want you to talk to me about neuroencoding. How, how, how does that work? And, and, how, and can we use that on ourselves? You know, and uh, I saw you light up then when I asked you that question. So definitely something that you, you love. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, tell me, tell me about it, Petra. I had no clue in the beginning what neuroencoding actually means. And I was very curious. And I, I now want to say it's the understanding the language of our nervous system and modulating that language. What we think creates how we feel and how we feel controls our actions and reactions, right? And this is true on a physical level. So when we think, for instance, when we think about a lemon, we might feel that sourness in our mouth and our mouth starts to producing saliva, right? That's that cycle. And when we have certain thoughts about ourselves, our lives, our situation, this controls how we act and react. And then we can change how we think and can encode this new thinking as that new automatism into our brains. Then we change sustainably how we feel and how we act. And using the neural pathways in the brain, so, so neurons, they jump from synapse to synapse. This is how the neurons or our brain commu communicates. And if we change that pathway, which, which route our thoughts use in the brain we can put a sign up this thought doesn't serve me any longer so this road is closed due to construction and we open a new one and use this regularly we create a new automatic thinking which leads to a new feeling which as a result leads to 
different habits, behaviors, actions and reactions. And the hierarchy that I see in my inner mind, the hierarchy is the mind commands the brain and the brain commands the body. And when we change what our highest, high, highest unit gives to the brain, then we can change our entire situation. And we encode new thinking and we change how our nervous system gets programmed. That's interesting. So I just want to walk us through this. So thinking produces feeling, feeling produces action or reaction. Uh, if we if we focus like we just did on thoughts, um, let's say I have a thought that's negative. Uh, the first part is to challenge that that negative thought, and then try and change it. Is that is that quite easy to do? And if so, kind of, can you give us an example of kind of what that would look like? Yeah, I think it's easy in the moment when you recognize that negative thought. Very often they, the thoughts, they happen in the subconscious. They are very often not conscious thoughts. And that's the tricky part, right? And this is what I do with my clients very often to, to reveal what's underneath the surface. Because very often we are not aware that we have negative thoughts under the blanket. And we recognize that negative thought. That's probably 80% of the work. Changing it, transmuting it, transforming it, it's about 20% of the work. So as an example, when we say this is hard, whatever it is, the pandemic, it's hard. The brain hears hard and leads us to feeling it's hard. And this is how we act and react. If we change that thought into it's not easy, the brain hears easy because we have the tendency to ignore the negative form. So we at least have a chance that the brain focuses on easy. And if we tell ourselves just by changing that wording, it's not easy and the brain hears easy, this is how we feel. It's a little lighter. Right? Mm. And we act differently because now again, we have hope that we can handle it. Mm, that, that's both exciting and liberating isn't it it is yeah <laughs> it see it seems quite simple in the sense of how you say it and yet if it was simple then a lot of us would be doing a lot better in how we feel and also how we act yes and no i think it is quite simple and very often we cannot believe that it's that simple and a lot of people don't know yet about how powerful their mind is, how powerful our thoughts are. Mm. The more we know how powerful we are by controlling, by steering our thoughts, the better, I think, the better we can live. And in the beginning, that reprogramming, right? In the beginning, it feels like lying to ourselves. Mm. And to do it anyways, I think that's, yeah, that's stepping out of the comfort zone. Absolutely. Love it. I feel like we could, we could totally do another podcast because I've, 
feel like we're just getting into the into the meat of this um is there <laughs> is there anything burning within you Petra that you want to share as we bring this into land I like our conversation very much and yes I have so many things I wanted to share but to to bring it to one point I can I have two <laughs> yes of course you can yeah thank you I think we all have to be reminded that love is the most important thing in life, that we do things from a place of love and love keeps us going. And the second thought I wanna share is if we change the direction of our fight, whatever that fight might be, if we change from fighting against something to fighting for something, I think this is what propels us forward. Fighting for something with unconditional love. This is what creates miracles. I love that. Fighting for something, not fighting against something with love creates miracles. It's beautiful. Thank you. What a what a great thought to, to end uh today on how do people find out more about you dr petra and your work the easiest way is to go through my website it's petrafraser.com and i'm on social media i think people can find me on social media the easiest way is the website beautiful well thank you so much for being our esteemed guest today and uh, look forward to seeing your, your progress and the difference that you and your work are having on, on others. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes. And I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast. <laughs>